because obviously they'd probably be talking about it more on sports radio in Canada, at least, sorry, in the GTA, because that's where I listen to sports radio. I'm not listening to sports radio from, you know, Halifax or Edmonton. Why not? Don't you want to hear your schooners talk? Come on, man. No. You're listening to episode 19 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format. Brought to you this week by Barriers and Boundaries. Some people in Golden State need to learn about boundaries. I'm your host, Carlos Alcazar, and with me, as is sometimes the case, Dave Turnbull. I was waiting for you to change that up and saying, as with always, because obviously I'm no longer always here, but most of the time. Happy to be here once again, actually back from my brief hiatus, I guess if you would call it that. And yes, boundaries are important. Yes, and yes. more so important in NBA Finals games, which yes. we will get to later. Yeah. So we're going to keep the podcast really simple. We'll talk as long, to be honest, we'll talk as long as we need to about the topics at hand. But I'll make it clear here at the start exactly what it's going to look like. As I try to always make the case, I will put timestamps in the show notes. So if you want to skip to a certain topic, you can jump straight to it. That'll make it a little easier for you on the listening side of it. I'll actually put some of the shameless plugs here right off the top just so we can get out of the way. The podcast is available for anyone, anywhere you find your podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we have an Instagram. It's at Unnecessary Podcast. Your Twitter is Unnecessary underscore pod. Our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. So you can find us anywhere there. Also, if you want to see a static image of our faces in cartoon pop form, you can check that out on YouTube. You can find that with Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Just type that in and you'll find a bunch of different videos and uh, for the podcast episodes. And occasionally I'll do little podcast extras that are kind of bonus episodes where either video or not, where I'll end up talking about something, maybe at a little more depth. Or if it just so happens to happen in the middle of the week when we're not recording, that's another way of checking it out. So check out the YouTube channel anyway as well. With all that said, here are the two main topics we're going to get into. We're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Final, of course. We got that series tied at two games piece. And then we're going to talk, I think, at more length about the NBA Finals, given that, A, Canadian content, the Toronto Raptors are still in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. And also, to be honest, there's a lot more plot lines. There's a lot more little pieces to talk about, and we can go in 100 different directions on it. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. So for starters, why don't we just talk about the Stanley Cup Final a little bit? As I said, they're two games apiece, St. Louis taking on the Boston Bruins, coming off of a 7-2 to loss in Game 3. The St. Louis Blues came back and won 4-2 to in Game 4, so the series is tied at 2, as I said. But I'll be honest, I, and I said it kind of in the, in the last solo pod, I really haven't been that interested. Like, I, I've observed it, I, I watch the highlights, I try to pay attention a little bit and watch little bits here and there, but I just haven't been able to get into the Stanley Cup Final at all. It just hasn't been that interesting to me. I don't know, uh, how, what do you think about that, Dave? I couldn't care less about this. Like, literally, I do not care at all. Uh, it's great that it's a series, and I still hope St. Louis pulls it out. Uh, you know, my hate for Boston has not gone anywhere, but for whatever reason, this matchup just doesn't do it for me. And I think in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the final match, the Stanley Cup final, has to be a matchup that intrigues me or interests me to make me care. Because honestly, I don't care about hockey in June. I think the hockey season goes on far too long, and I don't care now. It's June. I'm obviously more interested in the NBA Finals, mostly because the Raptors are in it. But I'm thinking about other things. I'm, you know, outside doing stuff. I'm, you know, refereeing, umpiring. I'm watching baseball games, you know, going for evening walks because, there's, you know, the sun's still out. Things like this. This is what I care about, not the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, it's really, I think it's tough to really think, be in hockey mode. I think the other thing is since you have four rounds, the the playoffs go on for a really long time. Like it's just, you know, from the beginning, because I think the playoffs started basically, I want to say the end of April, but it might have been the beginning of May. No, it was, it was early April. It was, oh, was it early like April? the second week of April. So it's really been like two months already of playoffs. Like so, what I'm thinking is, I'm thinking there's the NHL needs to go the route of what the NBA used to do and what MLB does and... Make the first series five games or something like that. Or at least experiment with that and discuss it and see if that's an idea. Because obviously they'd probably be talking about it more on sports radio in Canada. At least, sorry, in the GTA because that's where I listen to sports radio. I'm not listening to sports radio from, you know, Halifax or Edmonton. Why not? Don't you want to hear your schooners talk? Come on, man. 
No. Uh, I, I want to hear my uh, when are the Alouettes getting an owner? And talk. we haven't even talked about. And we haven't even gone. By the way, we won't do it on this podcast. But I think next week, I think we have sufficient justification to actually talk about the CFL proper for the first time uh, this year. Yeah, we can do some. Divi- we can do a preview and some division previews. I- I'm willing to boldly suggest that a Canadian team will win. I agree. Uh, but back to yeah, I'm back to Stanley Cup. I'm thinking that. They should, you know, go that route and see if, if maybe making the first series, maybe in the first two series, a little bit different. That's just that's just my thought on that. Or I, I just think, you know, it's such a long grind, and if your team's not in it, it's hard to care. And I know the NBA Finals are, are just as long. The NBA Playoffs are just as long, or roughly the same time frame. But it, still, it's it's hard. If you're not invested in it because you're a fan and you just love the sport, or because your team's in it still, or there's a really compelling matchup, you've moved on. You're on to other things, right? You don't care. There's nothing drawing you in. Well, I think uh, I talked about a little bit about that in the in the solo pod part. The reason why I brought it up, so I, I'm glad you outlined that, and that's fair. I, I kind of am in the same boat. However, the only point that I made is that because you covered most of the main angles. Well, like if your team's in it, well, sure, obviously, if you're a fan, that's easy. If it's a compelling matchup, well, that's subjective. What is a compelling matchup? It depends. One thing I one thing I kind of said stated that was a thought process of mine is I'm in it if my team's in it. One. I'm in it if like a hated rival's in it and I want to root against them actively. Two. In, you know, this past year's Super Bowl, that was kind of tricky because, you know, we were rooting against the Patriots, but we pretty much figured they would win. So that kind of took the wind out of our sail. We didn't realistically think the upset was in play. We did. We really didn't buy the Rams as the ones to do it. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagle one was interesting because they actually, they, like the way that team was composed, you actually thought, well, maybe, hold on, this could be interesting. That was a thing. So Patriot fatigue was a real thing for the Super Bowl. With uh, the third component, though, if I'm not actively rooting against the team, I don't like another Boston team being there, but at the end of the day, it's not going to ruin my life if they win. I don't care. St. Louis winning, in theory, could be an interesting uh, storyline, if only because they had never won, won a Stanley Cup Finals game before. And this, this year has been the first two in the history of the organization. So almost 50 years. That's a compelling storyline. But the problem is it's St. Louis. It's the St. Louis Blues. It's... You know, out of the expansion teams that came out, they had the most success out of the block, being in three straight Stanley Cup finals in the early part of the the second six after the original six. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but you know, what's their legacy after that? After and they they were able to build some really good teams early on, but after that, it's like, well, Brett Hall was great. You know, Pierre Turgeon played there for a long time, and it was good, good. And they were a solid playoff bound team all the time. They were good with that. But other than that, it's like, okay, cool, St. Louis. St. Louis is a baseball town. Like, it really, I don't consider the fact that they happen to have a hockey team, I acknowledge, but it's, to me, St. Louis is not hockey. Any more so than Nashville is hockey. Any more so than Atlanta was hockey. Any more so than Florida is hockey. They can be there, but it's not the same thing. So this is not the matchup that's going to give me the storyline that will actually draw me in as a viewer. And I think that's where this Stanley Cup final is for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think that's kind of where we end up on that. Still keep an eye on it. Like, I've actually got it in the other monitor. I'm doing the multi-screen life as we speak. So I've got the cup final on here. Uh, St. Louis is up one nothing. There you go. So I do hope. I, I root for St. Louis to win. If for no other reason than just so we don't have to deal with another Boston one. I'm not going to be that uh, messed up with it either way. It, it, the, the playoff really has gone for a long time. And unfortunately, a lot of the interesting teams, to me, uh, got bounced early. And this is what we kind of were left with. So eventually someone will win at some point. Bold prediction on my part. All right, let's talk some NBA Finals, shall we? Yeah, where do you want to start? I mean, there's multiple storylines here. Okay, let me review. Uh, well, let's, Go ahead. Let's, let's, let's start with what this week's been brought to us by. Let's start with the, the current story. We will in one second. We will in one second. But let me, let, me, let me not bury the lead. Let me just say where we are. Raptors are up two games to one on the strength of a victory last night. So we're recording on a Thursday. So the Wednesday game happened last evening. The Raptors were able to win their first game in Golden State. So after splitting the series in Toronto, now they're up two games to one, which is good for them, going into game four tomorrow on Friday. I'm going to try to get the podcast up on Friday, hopefully, fingers crossed. But if I'm able to do that, then, you know, game four hasn't happened yet. And the series has really been marked, I would say, and we'll talk about the controversy related to, you know, boundaries, 
But the series has barely been marked by, I feel like, a lot of the... Neither team has really been at full strength at any point. And the goal, and that's kind of made it interesting because now it's it's very much up in the air. It's open. Both teams are still well within it, and either team really could win it. And unfortunately, a that will segue into what we, we wanted to talk about. Unfortunately, a certain Golden State Warriors, uh, you know, part owner will not be seeing it live. And why, Dave? Why will they not be seeing it live? Because he shoved Kyle Lowry yesterday, and apparently, allegedly, but maybe not allegedly told him to get the fuck out or something like that multiple times. Yeah. Basically just being verbally abusive in addition to touching the player, the verbally abusive, whatever. I think it's, I think it's a soft move. I don't, I don't care for it. You want to heckle somebody, heckle them, whatever. It's part of the game. But if you're just going to be verbally abusive, well, and the thing is to me, you should know better. You're a part owner of an NBA team. So you got some money, you know, that's a thing, but that also means you get to sit in the front row. So we were talking about a little bit before we hit the record button. So I'll just throw my two cents on this piece. And, you be, and by all means, you know, uh, let me know what you think. But my, my thing is, if you've got, you've got the privilege of being able to afford to partially own a team, even if it's a small sliver piece, you're part owner. It means you're, you're in a fairly good position financially. It also means you get to sit in the front row for every game, you know, every home game. It means you're well off. It also means that you've got the best seat in the house for you know to watch these games and you've got access that's better than just about anybody else in the arena and basketball is the one sport where being in the front row means you're literally in the front row the player can end up in your lap they can fall in there and that happens regularly because you're right there and there's no barrier between you even if you go to uh and i use the example of a baseball game even if you sit in the front row of a baseball game you got a barrier in front of you and if you cross that threshold you cross that line even to try to catch a ball and you touch it and you interfere they kick you out and that's not with touching a person. That's trying to get the ball. So there's a, there's a defined barrier. Security will be all over you if you try to cross that line at the wrong time during play. Your place is behind the barrier. When well, basketball, there's no barrier. It's the court and it's the chairs. And they're, stand, and they're folding chairs. They're nice folding chairs, but you're right there in the middle of the thing. You can waltz onto the court if you want to. It'll be frowned upon, but you have that kind of access that no other sport can provide. And this is just an this is just a case of abusing that uh, access in the wrong way, I would say. Well, I, I wouldn't go quite as far as to say you could waltz on the court. You could. The security would come and get you, but well, there's no saying. barrier to You're stop still, you. Like, yeah, right. Like, there's there's things you can do and you can't do. But this is the one thing, and I think. Well, let me say this: my piece on this incident before I make this segue into something else, which is related. But so, part owner, he gets banned for a year from all NBA games, which I found interesting for two reasons. One, he's going to miss the rest of the playoffs, so if Golden State do go on to win, he's not going to be able to celebrate that at all with them in a formal capacity during the game. But also, Golden State is actually moving next year. So they are are leaving Oracle Arena, which is in Oakland, which was built in 1966, but was renovated substantially in 1997. They're moving back into San Francisco, into a new arena in San Francisco. So from Oakland across the bay into San Francisco. So they have a brand spanking new arena next year, which I'm sure will look lovely. And he doesn't get to be a part of that either. So I feel like, you know, the NBA really acted swiftly on this and, and I think did a good job, in my opinion. They, I feel, I think that's a fair punishment. They came down hard on him. I mean, the only difference is, well, here's the difference. One, if it was, an, if it was just some random fan... Quite possibly they're gone for life. And two, how, I mean, it is different, but at the same time, look at Drake's antics. Now, I know a lot of people are fans of Drake, and this isn't me being anti-Drake as a human being. Can I be anti-Drake as a human being? No, but... Yes, I can. No, we don't need to go there. Yes, we do. But my point is, Drake has done, in terms of making content, I mean, he hasn't shoved anybody... He hasn't necessarily verbally abused anybody. No, no, he's just, he's, he's just very annoying. With the pl- he's very annoying. Yes, That's about he's it. With the play- but he also has touch players. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Right? Remember the, the like, Lint incident with Steph Curry where yeah. he reached down head and pulled yeah. some, You know, like, so why is it okay for Drake to do that? Yeah, I know the league has talked to him and his people and has talked to the Raptors. But at the same time, he hasn't really toned it down at all. Mm-hmm. So why is it okay for Drake to massage the coach? Mm-hmm. to touch Steph Curry, to jaw at these guys in a way that no other fan would be allowed to. Why is that okay? 
And what the Golden State uh, owner uh, or part owner did, why is that not okay? I mean, uh, granted, I don't really think either is okay, but I think when you're banning uh, Mark Stevens and fining him $500,000 as well for a shove, which I think he only did once. It doesn't matter, though. Right? Like, from his position, so uh, let me let me answer your question, and I get your point. But uh, first of all, I can still I can still hate Drake as a person, just because he does annoy me enough. But with that said, he is not, I don't think he's, I don't think he is, um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that what Drake does is like the worst thing in the world, and it isn't. But at the same time, I do think it's inappropriate. And I do think what you're talking about is a double standard. And the double standard comes from the fact that Drake is quote-unquote famous. You know, Degrassi and alleged music. But the point is that, you know, regardless of how you want to put it, he's being given a lot of leeway, whereas Stevens is not. I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that Stevens is actually a part owner of an NBA team. Where that's where Adam Silver, I think, takes more offense even though he still really would dislike what Drake's doing, Drake is more, by being an ambassador, he's affiliated with the Raptors. But if Drake was part owner of the Raptors, it might be more of a thing for Adam Silver. So from his perspective, because Adam Silver technically works for the owners. So in reality, he took action against one of his quote-unquote bosses. You know, a fractional version of it, but technically he is at the behest of the owners, much like other commissioners are. But at the same time, it means that it was enough of a bad look that he wasn't comfortable with the idea of anyone who is in the position of owner or, you know, associated with ownership being in that position versus where Drake, where they're like, seriously, dude, calm down, you know, back up. But it's true. The reality is the in a perfect world, you'd be you'd be even on this. You'd be like, look, Drake, stay in your chair. You want to cheer? Go ahead. Cheer from your chair. Stay in the seat. Don't go onto the court. Don't touch the players. Don't touch the coach. You want to chat with them after the game because they're willing to chat and hang out with you? Cool. But within the context of the game, you know, again, there is no real boundary. That's why I said basketball is unique in the sense that there is no physical barrier with that front row and complete contact with everybody on the court. Officials, players, coaches, they're all within arm's reach. And that's played out over the course of this season. You know, um, Westbrook. Russell Westbrook had a couple of incidents where fans touched him. And that was noted throughout the season because they can, because they're physically close enough to be able to touch players without anything being in their way. And, and the NBA has really been a little bit light on not disciplining or, you know, kind of establishing that there should be some separation. Your fans, you're there to watch. You're not there to participate. You're not there to be part of the show, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? I do. So it's 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 a bit of a nebulous thing, and the NBA kind of brings this on itself. They want to be include. They want to be inclusive. They want that interactivity, but it's a very very fine line because if you think back in the history of the NBA, you used to have when this is years and years and years back, when the team would win the championship, you know, fans would storm the court. This this is this was a thing, and it's not really something that you look at today, but think about it. When a team wins a championship today, how many people are on the court? Even if it's not fans necessarily, media people, friends and family of the player. It's really easy for everybody to get there because it's not like they have to go around a barrier or a wall or something. Just walk under the court if you're on the appropriate level. That access has a double-edged sword. That means everybody can get to each other when they're on that same level. It's always going to be a little bit of a danger. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Stevens is kind of being made an example of. I think also, uh, from Adam Silver's perspective, I think the Stevens penalty might also be kind of a message to the Drakes of the world going like, look, we've seen enough already. We're now we're going to start reacting a little bit more strongly. This might actually be a precedent setter. It might be like, look, going forward, we might just start doing this to more people in that front row if you guys just can't keep your hands to yourself. And that might be an approach. Maybe just start whacking people with fines and banning them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just hope it doesn't get to the point where, and I don't think it will, where people can't be sitting courtside anymore, you know, but I think it's good that the NBA said, sent a strong message. I mean, you know what? Yeah. There may be some reaction where someone tries to move somebody off them because the players just dove in, but that's part of the territory with the way the NBA works. But obviously Mark Stevens crossed the line and, you know, he's been punished accordingly for it. And I feel that if anybody else tries the same thing, they will be as well. So that's the off the court business. Now let's talk about the on the court business for a moment. It's interesting to me. Let me let me tell you what I'm seeing, and maybe you can tell me from your perspective if you're seeing something different. 
First of all, I think the series has been really good, obviously for the Raptors, for the franchise. Uh, you know, it's energized the fan base. I, I was at work today and I saw an OG Raptors jersey. By the way, it's not casual Friday, buddy. It's not casual Friday. I'm just saying shamefulness at the bank is all I'm saying. We have a dress code, Dave. We have a dress code. Anyway, no, the, so the thing is there's obviously been enthusiasm. There's been a lot of, a lot of that, which has been good. You know, it's always good when the when the local team does well and then people kind of jump on the bandwagon and the team has played well. What's been interesting for me is now we're in a situation where you've got obviously Golden State stars are banged up. Kevin Durant hasn't played one second in the series. He may come back in the series, he may not, but now it depends. Game four becomes critical, and we'll get to that more in a second, but I'm saying game four, be, so here's the most obvious piece of analysis that still needs to be said anyway. Game four is critical because it pretty much establishes what the most likely outcome is. Toronto wins game four. It's basically a wrap. You know, that that isn't to say Golden State couldn't possibly win three in a row, but I think Toronto's a good enough team that they wouldn't allow them to win three in a row. I think that would be a stretch. Yeah, I think it, I think if Toronto wins if wins tomorrow night, so Friday, that it's 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 extremely unlikely that Golden State wins three in a row. Yeah. Right? I think even if everybody came back and started playing for Golden State, I think Toronto can win one out of three games. I'm giving I'm giving the staff and I'm giving Nick Nurse enough credit, even though I don't think the Raptors have really played their best game consistently from front to back any of the games in this series, you could argue they could be up three games to nothing, you know, with a better performance in game two. Definitely yeah, possible. absolutely. It's very feasible that Toronto could be up three games now. Yeah. So, so that is to say that Toronto actually has potentially more firepower available. Obviously, Golden State does because Clay Thompson wasn't playing. And it was kind of obvious to me that Game 3, Toronto had every... My expectation was that Toronto should have won Game 3. For no other reason than no Kevin Durant, no Clay Thompson. We knew who was going to shoot. It had to be Steph Curry. There, there was really no other option. It had to be him. And he did. Yeah. And he shot the lights out. 47 but points. 47. Clearly, you know, he's not enough on his own. Right? That's Without kind of those an, other two guys around. And that's kind of an ideal scenario for Toronto because they could focus their attention in one place. And they knew exactly where they needed. And the bench got real short for, uh, for Golden State because they tried to put people out there. But nobody was ready. Toronto, I felt like, was in control for pretty much all of Game 3. Even though they didn't really blow them uh, blow them away by the end, they were still in control. I think from be more or less from beginning to end, and that's where Game Four becomes interesting because even if they start getting people back, I think Toronto is smart enough. I'm giving them credit for being smart enough. Where even if Golden State gets their people back and then wins a game, even convincingly, they can adapt. They can adjust. Game two they didn't shoot well. Game three they shot much better. They made an adjustment. Regardless of what Steph Curry was doing, if Toronto doesn't make any adjustments and they shoot as badly as game two, then it's a close game and then anything can happen. So that's kind absolutely of, so that's kind of where that that's kind of where we've what's gotten us to where we are. So now I'm not gonna call it outright, but at the same time, now it's very plausible. Almost things have lined up in such a way where Toronto could very much win the NBA championship. And should that come to pass, now I'm I'm going to talk about this how this piece could be very interesting if Toronto wins. There's a couple of scenarios that are at play there. If Golden State wins, obviously, you know, three peat, you know, then then we then we end up talking about Kevin Durant. Where's he gonna go? What's gonna happen next? We're gonna talk about that anyway. That'll come. But if Toronto was to pull it off, then there's a couple of interesting scenarios there. One thing I'll do before I get into that part, based on what you've seen. What do you think about how the Raptors have played the Golden State Warriors through the three games, given the circumstances and the way this has played out? Well, I mean, I, I was thinking that Toronto's had stood a really good chance at, from the very beginning. You know, I, I, I don't know if I told you this story off air, but I was in San Francisco recently, which is very interesting because in, in, in Oakland, they really care about this series and this team. They don't care as much in San Francisco. But I'm in the airport, and... To going through security, and the one TSA guy gives me fist. He's like, I was wearing a Raptors hoodie. He gave me a fist bump, and he's like, Let's go Raps. And I was like, Okay. The next guy that I talked to says, So you're thinking Golden State in four or five? And I said, Raps in seven. Now, I said Raps in seven mostly because, you know, you got to stand up for where you come from. But I felt like, you know, I've always felt they could win. They played them well in the regular season. Uh, yes, there were some people who were out. But they also beat them without Kawhi in the regular season, which I think is important to note. 
so I think they match up well, and the Raptors uh, guy, like the backup guys, like their their you know second line, if you will, is vastly outplaying Golden State second line. So I think the depth of the Raptors right now is really helping them. But I think the other thing that's that's really important to mention is is their shots, right? It you know they're shooting well, and when they shoot well, it it works, right? And I mean it's it's very I feel oversimplified to say, well, if they make their shots, they're going to win the game. Well, you can really say that about anybody. But the one article I had I had mentioned to you is if you compare game one and game two. Now again, Raptors only lost by five points in game two. But if you compare the two games from you know inside the paint. They're 76.2% in Game 1 versus 60% in Game 2. Mid-range shots, 43.5% in Game 1 versus 23.1% in Game 2. And from three-point range, they're 39.4% in Game 1 and 28.9% in Game 2. Now, I don't know what the exact numbers are for Game 3, but I know they're a hell of a lot closer to the Game 1 numbers than they were to the Game 2 numbers. And and I think that's that's where it is right now is that there is some very hard evidence that says well when you make your shots and it felt like the way the Golden State Warriors are playing them the Raptors are able to mostly get the shot selection they want and it's working for them. First of all, I think you're I, I very much appreciated the the analytical slant of you reading off the stats. My my stats loving heart thanks you. But with that said, I think your second point is valid. I think, but I did enjoy basically, your, your conclusion basically is like, if you shoot better than the other team, you may score more points than the other team. And I boldly suggest that means you might win games. True. This is very much the offense, defense, and special teams. If you improve all three, you'll probably win. But it's still it's still a valid point in the sense of this. I think I think the point that you're trying to make really is that the Raptors are efficient enough where if they can shoot right around where Golden State is, and where I think the, where I think the Raptors have done a good job, and what's helped them stay in the games, even in Game Two where they didn't shoot well, I think what's helped them is that I think as a team, I think they understand the situation they're in. I think they understand that when they got Kawhi Leonard, they went all in. This it's not like there's no guarantee. This isn't like LeBron James in the East where he was going to the finals every year. This could be the only time this unit ever gets to this situation. Because even if everything goes perfectly, and I'll allude to that in a second where I said the scenarios, even if everything, I'll give you the best case scenario. The Raptors win game four. It puts them up three games to one. And then they get to go home in game five with the opportunity to close it out. Even if Kevin Durant comes back in, let's say they ride the energy of the crowd, Jurassic Park, and then there's probably, there's probably going to be 50 Jurassic Parks. There will be a Jurassic Park in your backyard. Everywhere there will be a Jurassic Park. If they ride that wave and win the NBA Finals in five, which would be a massive upset, even with the injuries, still a massive upset given the team, the caliber of team that they beat. Best case scenario, we're still then talking about what happens with Kawhi Leonard. However, if that works that way, it's still a good deal. Even if you tell me Kawhi Leonard leaves, it doesn't matter. You still man it. You still got to an NBA Finals, which you never did before. You never got that far, and you never had a chance. You got to win NBA Finals games, and if you come out with a championship out of the thing, they'll they'll give the man a parade even if he's leaving. It doesn't matter. He's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We still got the result. Absolutely. And it was a gamble that worked. So sometimes you got to do, I'll use an analogy that is kind of works for this. The early 90s Blue Jays teams understood this concept. In 93, Ricky Henderson was a rental. Everybody knew he was a rental. He's not coming back. He's coming for one, he, not even for a full year. He came, he came in, at the, I think it was around the trade deadline. His purpose was to do one thing. His purpose was to be there for the playoffs so that they could try to win the championship. They did win the championship. Ricky Henderson is off to play for his next 47 teams because he played for a lot of them. But it didn't matter. For one season, Ricky Henderson, or for part of a season, Ricky Henderson was a Blue Jay, and they won the championship, and nobody's complaining. Exactly. If, if he comes by, I'm sure someone will still ask him for an autograph. They'll still applaud him. It's like, hey, I remember 93. And it, like, it works. It's fine. Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, you know, if, if they win, I may name my first child after Kawhi. We already have a cat named Leonard, so the Leonard name is taken, but I, I feel Kawhi is a perfectly good middle name if we have a boy. Wow. I, I very much like where this went. It, this is, I think, I think Kawhi should be the middle name no matter what. Just well, no matter we'll what. See. Just roll with it. 
You can put a hyphen in there somewhere and just add another piece to it. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there yet, Carlos. Give, give it time. But the the reason I so the point that I'm trying to make here is the gamble, regardless, I think has been successful. I think everyone can agree that this was a worthwhile gamble, given where this team had been. But I think given that there is no guarantee about the future, I think the team is playing like that. I think they're playing like a, a style where they're very much adopting a similar philosophy to Kawhi, where Kawhi, even though I think Kawhi is still banged up, I think he's playing a style of, of defense and ball distribution, and he's keeping. He's not trying to score 40 or 50 points a game. He's passing the ball around. He's keeping the other shooters going. I think Kawhi Leonard is very aware. This is why I say I like what the team has been doing conceptually in the mental part of the game. This is where I think his years in San Antonio actually play, pay dividends. Because I think Kawhi Leonard, even though he's not 100%, I think he's playing very smart basketball. I think he's making the right plays all the time. And when he does need to try to do something, I think he's capable of doing it. But I think he's also aware that the team isn't going to win if Kawhi Leonard is scoring 40 or 45 points. I don't think that's actually going to work against Golden State. You're not going to have one guy outshoot the other team. You need those other. You need Siakam to be available. You need Lowry to be able to hit some shots. You need Van Vliet to hit some shots. If these players are doing this thing, similar to what happened in Game Three, I think I could be mistaken. I know they had a multitude of players who got it to at least 15 points. So it was a whole. It was a very well distributed uh, scoring. And if you're getting that, you're probably winning. You can give the other, you can give the other guys superstar 47 points, and it's not going to help. Because I got this guy's getting 15, this guy's getting 15, this guy's getting 26, this guy's getting 23. You're winning. Yeah. It's just math. You're going to win with math. Eventually, they run out of things, and it, it leads to your point about depth. If I've got all these 10-point guys, and you've got one guy getting nearly 50, and nobody else is in double digits, I'm probably winning. Mm-hmm. It becomes a math uh, problem at that point. Yeah. So now here's, uh, here's the prediction part. So we've talked about the angles on this. If, still if, if Toronto wins, do you think that makes it more or less likely that Kawhi Leonard would continue to stay? I, you know what? I think I can, I can make an argument either way on that. So I would say that it's probably going to make him... I'm going to go... Because I'm going back and forth. I'm going to go with saying more likely. And the reason I'm going to say more likely is two reasons. Well, maybe three. One, I think he actually likes Toronto. And likes the status he has and the popularity and all that. I think he also likes that people generally leave him be. They kind of just let him do his own thing. They don't bug him every three seconds about really dumb stuff. Yes. Two, he can get the most amount of money in Toronto. Yeah. And three, he if he wants to win another championship, he's got a pretty good place where they are well positioned to make another run. Yeah, regardless the, of what happens, but it's very much the LeBron James syndrome, where the way the East has been in recent years, if you can build a strong, solid team, you could get to the finals with consistency in the East. There's no reason to believe you can't be there at the end with a chance if that's what you want to do. Now, one point I will make that kind of leads, that kind of agrees with what you're saying. Do you remember when we were talking about the Kawhi thing a couple of weeks back and I mentioned about the New Balance thing? And I said that one thing that I, that struck me was that I felt like New Balance does very well in markets like this. Yes. Yep. I don't know if you've seen all that King of the North stuff. Like, I think New Balance has embraced it full out. Oh, I love that. And I love that ad and that billboard. But as a marketing campaign, don't you think that works great from New Balance? And New Balance like, dude, seriously, King of the North, we got this. We, we, yeah, no, totally. We've got a brand, totally. man. We can own this town. We can own this town. So from the brand and money, if you're talking about money, though, the shoe company is like, dude, we can make money. We can make so much money. Roll with it, bro. Roll with it. So it's, it's one of the – it really did comes down to what Kawhi wants. Because yeah. – yes, and, and it's interesting. The latest rumor – well, two things. Two things that are interesting. Number one, one, one of which means nothing and one of which may mean something. First one, which really means nothing but is interesting to note, is if you were going to bet on this, Carlos, and in Vegas, which you may very well do just to fly down and make a bet because that is something you would do, is Toronto is the betting favorite now to sign Kawhi for next year. They are the favorite. I think because, I think because of the way things have turned out. I think it's kind of the factors that we talked about, like – I, I've, I said it originally in jest, but the thing is, it's playing out. The, the, the King of the North campaign is a real thing that his shoe company did. New Balance did not really have a foothold in basketball for years. 
Kawhi Leonard is really their main guy. So he is their Jordan right now. Like he is their dude. From their perspective, if you want to build a basketball shoe division, you need a guy. Well, guess what? Your guy's in the finals. And he's considered to be the best player on a team who's got a, who is technically leading the finals right now. If the best case scenario plays out, all of a sudden it's like this king of the, the king of the North campaign takes on another level. Could you imagine the ad they would have ready if that came to pass? Oh, totally. Man. They would throw the commercial immediately. You'd be watching uh, Sportsnet or whatever, and immediately you got a commercial for New Balance with King of the North on it. Congratulations, Kawhi and the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. So I think they're sitting there salivating at the thought of, wait a minute, we can actually put our shoe brand on the map for basketball for the also, first years. on another point for Kawhi, uh, you you have heard that he's suing Nike over the claw logo? Uh, yes, that's right. Yes. Right? So this is a logo that he claims to have designed that Nike was using when he was in partnership with Nike, but Nike claims they now have a trademark over it. Kawhi says they don't. Obviously, he's taking them to court. We'll see what happens. The court case has been filed in California because he has a home in California. But if we're talking about reasons why or reasons why he should stay, if you've seen the, the image with the claw logo, but one of the fingers has been turned into the CN Tower, that looks pretty fucking awesome. No, the thing put is We the-, the North under that, which they've done, and I was like, I would buy something with that on it. The branding opportunities are nearly limitless. It, like that's why I said, like I think the reason why, as you said, they switched to the betting favorite is because, well, uh, unless you just want to go to L.A. for the sake of L.A., like I said, the Clippers to me, if you're if you're going to do L.A., the Clippers is the play. Lakers isn't even in the discussion. If you're going to do L.A. right now, the Lakers are a dumpster fire. If you're going to do L.A., you go the Clippers. But if you're going to go the Clippers, are you going to go there? Well, the Clippers did very well this year. Are you going to go to the Clippers by yourself and expect to get similar type results in the West with the Clippers? And no, maybe- man. I'm looking at the Clippers roster right now, and it like, I mean, I know I don't know basketball that well, but there is nobody on this list that jumps out at me and goes, "Well, you know what? If if they just get Kawhi, they got this." Yeah, I think the Clippers are banking on not just you having one guy. I think if even if they target Kawhi, I think they would want to pair him with somebody. The idea would be to have two people. But as I said, like by contrast, you know. Technically here, it's Kawhi's team. And I don't think any of the players have any issue. If you want to be the man, you're the man. And then we'll play around you and then we'll work. Because everyone else, everyone, what I will say, the other thing that I like about the way the Raptors have played out the series, everyone seems to have bought in. They're they're in. So like for the duration of this series, right from the coach on down to the players to everybody, it's like, we're all in. So we're going to try. The effort is there consistently on a nightly basis, which has been impressive, I would say. Is that fair? yeah, and but I also point out this: if you're looking at the Western Conference, obviously you know Golden State's still going to be there, but the gap between eighth and ninth in the Western Conference, you know how many games it was? One or two? Nine. Oh, is it nine between eight and nine? You said? Yeah. So Clippers were the eighth seed. Okay. Uh, and, and the Sacramento Kings were the ninth seed, and there was a nine-game difference between the win-loss, right? So you're you know what I mean? You're you're dropping off huge there. Yeah. In that case, whereas the Clippers themselves were nine games behind Golden State. So I, I don't see him going to L.A., you know, being a game changer. I mean, are they pro- are they going to be a playoff team if he goes there? Probably. Well, they're a playoff team now, so yes. Right? I mean, you know, that's what I mean. Like, are they going to be a playoff team again? Well, they had a nine-game gap that any of these teams would have to make up. Right? And the next best team after Sacramento was the Dumpster Fire Lakers. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling pretty good about my chances of making the playoffs if I'm playing in L.A. However, with with the Clippers. However, I'm not feeling that great about my chances about doing anything other than making the playoffs. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you're a low seed in the West, then you're going to play most likely some combination of the Rockets, unless they blow it up, which is possible, or the or a Golden State, who would still be formidable, even if they don't have Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant goes to the East... The Golden State Warriors still are pretty formidable in the West. It's not like they're suddenly going to drop off and be terrible. I don't think that's I don't think that's in the cards. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think they still I think they're still a good enough team to be to be dangerous to anybody out west. It, so the storylines are numerous. There's a lot of angles you can take on it. it. It'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. But what it comes down to is that so locally now, I think the the engagement of the audience. What I'm going to be curious about especially in the local market here, is obviously they did very well ratings-wise for Game 2 and Game 1 and all that. So we're going to have a Game 5 no matter what. 
That's that's a guarantee. So that means there will be a game five back in Toronto. If Toronto is in a position to clinch, I'd be curious to see if they re-break that ratings record. Because already they've done very well ratings wise around here. So that would be that would be huge. They could they could draw some big numbers. We already know what happens if a team is even in even in contention to be decent. When the Jays win the ALCS, they were doing great ratings numbers. Well, this team's in the finals. They've got a chance to win the whole thing. So it's right there. And there is a national audience that is watching. So that'll kind of be uh, interesting to play out. Just trying to think, is there anything else? So we've got, okay, let, let's do it this way. I assume yes, but here's a question. And this will be something that I've thought about. They've talked about the opposite, but I'm thinking about it this way. If, All right. if you're Kevin Durant and the Raptors are up three games to one, do you even bother coming back? What do you mean coming back? So let's say Durant is good enough that he can play, but they're down three games to one. So you're going to have to win three in a row. If you're anything less than 100% knowing that you're likely going to more than likely look at free agency next year and all the potential places you could go, do you even risk it if it's not two games to two? You know what? I I uh, like. I think if you feel that he can play, he can give you minutes, and he's not at risk of really re-injuring himself, then I think you play him. Regardless, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't talking about Golden State. I'm sure Golden State in that scenario in a elimination game, unless he's broken, would try to get. Sorry. Play. So who? Sorry. Who are you talking about? I'm, ta- I'm talking about Durant. Does he? Pl- if if they're down. Yeah, but that's games. what I'm saying. Kevin Durant. He's going to play if he can play, regardless of the scenario. Let me rephrase my question. Let's say you're Kevin Durant and you can play. They're down three games to one. Are you that interested, or are you going to be like, eh, still not feeling great? I, it depends how much he cares about his own legacy. Does it affect his legacy though? He didn't play a single minute of the series, and he's been in. Yeah, but if they're series. down, if they're down, whether I mean, he's not. They've already said he's not going to play in the next game. Correct. So, but if they're down three-one, right? Yep. And he com- and he comes back. Let's say so. He comes back in game five, and Golden State wins. Is, so okay. Assuming obviously a lot here. Yeah. But let's say the Raptors win the next game. They're up three-one, heading back to Toronto. Yes. Duran is well enough to play. And if he, I say he goes in and Golden State wins the next three games and wins another NBA championship, then people are saying we won this. We wouldn't have won this without Kevin Durant. If he wants that, then he's going to play. That if that's he does it, that's basically that's basically what happened with the LeBron James thing a couple of years back when they were playing the Warriors and they were down three games to one. It would be that scenario, that exact kind of minus the injury part, but it would be that scenario playing out. However. Same scenario. The reason why I'm asking this question is Kevin Durant is very cerebral. We've established this. And he is very concerned with his legacy. But maybe the, maybe the way to think of it this way is, what do you think is a bigger hit to the legacy? Oh, I was injured. I, could, I wanted to come, but I, I, I can't prove to you whether Kevin Durant's healthy or not. If he says he's not healthy, I can't definitively tell you he is. He's been injured since last series. And they were able to play well to a certain degree without him. But, and I think he's actually, sorry, no, correction. He was off the entire Western Conference Finals and, you know, the last couple of games of the series before that. So he hasn't played in a full series in a couple of games and then through three games in this series. If he's injured, I don't think anyone's going to give him that much of a hit if, you know, and I can only take him at his word and the doctors. By contrast, if he's down three games to one, to your point, if he comes back and they are able to storm back and win, great. He gets, that's a big uh, exclamation point on uh, on his legacy in Golden State. But, same scenario. You decide to try that. You come back, and the Raptors play a solid, intelligent game, which is what they've been doing. And they know that he's back, but they adjust their game plan accordingly. And the Raptors still win game five. Thanks, Kevin Durant. So what? That, that doesn't benefit him in any way. And if he re-aggravates any injury he has, that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily carry into next season. But if you're Kevin Durant, what I'm saying is a cerebral thought process, do you risk it? Because you need to win three in a row in that scenario. The likelihood, it's only happened one other time ever. So are you playing those percentages where, okay, you come back and you win a game and then you lose in six? Does that help you? Or was no. it kind of a waste of time? Well, I, fair enough. I think that's a good a good thought. I mean, personally, I don't think he's going to come back at all and they're just playing mind games. But that's that, what I personally think. That's why I'm asking. The only reason I'm posing the question is I can't get in Kevin Durant's head. There's a lot going on in there. I can't get in his head. But I'm saying if I'm him, I'm really doing calculus. If it's two games to two, and I can play in game five, it's a little more interesting to me than if it's three games to one down. It kind of changes the math a little bit. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, so if I come back, 
I'm trying to do something that has only been done one other time against the team I'm on. That's the only time it's happened. So, and I may not be exactly 100%. Now, if it's two games to two and I'm 90%, I might take a flyer. It's a tie series. We've at least got, it's best out of three. That's a little bit easier to accomplish, I think. Agreed. Yeah. So it, it, these are things that these are things that I think about when I'm considering this, because I'm not sure if we're going to see Kevin Durant through the series, whether he's healthy or not. My thought process is, could he be cerebral enough to sit back and look at what the situation is, and if it's not a good situation that he thinks is a lo- potentially a lose-lose, maybe he just stays injured until next season. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Yeah, so a little conspiracy theory, uh, Carlos, on that one. But uh, I'd be curious to see if he actually does come back to play if circumstances are not favorable. I could talk about a few other things, but truthfully, for the finals, I think those are the big things that are at the front of my mind. Is yeah, I, you know what? I think I think for this pod, I mean, obviously, we'll be talking about it more in the next one. I mean, the series could be over by the time we record again. But I think we've said enough here that, that gives enough people the adoring public enough to chew on until the next podcast until we come back and uh you know if uh if it doesn't if it goes the right way you know we can do a quick uh podcast extra we're just like raptors in five if they suddenly win you know just reaction you know get the i'm okay with that yeah just go with it no that's fair uh so i'm good with that so tell you what let's transition into what we're looking forward to this week all right so here is my pretentious cross-country running report It's what I'm looking forward to this week. The Women's World Cup begins tomorrow, Friday, uh, in France. And the host nation, France, is expected to do well. They probably won't win it, but they're expected to do well. But Canada's looking pretty good. The Canadian women are in a group with... Oh, no, I wish I'd done some prep on this. Cameroon is who they're playing in their opening game, which I expect them to win. And I know they're also playing the Netherlands as well. So, anyway, they're going up. Their first game is June 10th. So, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that'll be, you know, if you like high quality. Okay, so Cameroon, New Zealand, and the Netherlands. Which isn't an easy group by any stretch of the imagination. But it is also not the hardest group either. I feel they'll win their opening game. And this is also a tournament where the third place team, depending on which thing, could get through to the next round. Uh, Truthfully, Canada's good enough to win that group and win all three of those matches, and then we'll see what happens. But for next week, I'm looking forward to Canada's games. So go Canada, go in that. As well, you have some uh, friendlies and whatnot coming up in in men's international soccer that is happening as well. Uh, Some UEFA Nations League and and things like that, which I am interested in as well. Uh, Also some qualifying for the 2020 Euros, and Scotland's playing Cyprus. Which is like woo, but at the same time, you know, you got You can only play who you're up against, and I'm man. If Scotland doesn't beat Cyprus, which you know, Scotland, so there's quite a possibility that they won't, because you know that would be a very Scottish thing to do. But I think they're going to beat Cyprus, and then we'll see what happens from there. So I'm looking forward to to those two things, and obviously I'm looking forward to watching the the NBA more. Right? I want to watch more finals. I want to see more of it. Uh, I can't get enough. I'm all about the uh, XM NBA radio right now, and I'm going to the TFC game tomorrow. So they're, I don't even know who they're playing because I don't even care. Because after TFC probably inevitably lose because that's what they're doing right now, they are show, they've actually pushed the game time an hour earlier so that it will be over before tip-off, and then they're going to show the Raptors game on the screen at BMO Field. Are you so actually going to watch the Raptors game from, from, t- from, uh, from BMO Field? Quite, I will watch some of the Raptors game. How much I watch, there are a variety of factors that, that will depend on. But I will, I mean, hey, I'm there. Are they still selling you concessions during that, I assume? Of course. Oh, that, 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 that's money right there. So actually, that would actually be a really smart way to, here's the thing. I appreciate, so kind of a quick point. I appreciate the enthusiasm of the fans in Jurassic Park, but I wouldn't stand outside watching a goddamn screen. I'm sorry. Like, leave me alone, people. I, I got a I got a 55 inch TV at home, and I got a couch, and I can make snacks, and I can grab a beer, and I'm good, man. I'm solid. But I, but I think the BMO thing. If you're already at the soccer game, and you can get beer brought to you, and some snacks, it's not a bad deal. That's actually not a bad way to go. If you're watching it in a group, then you've at least got chairs. So that's that's not bad. 
Yeah, exactly. That, so anyway, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to this week, Carlos. How about you? Fair. So uh, NBA Finals, watching it. I am going to try to scan a little bit of this Stanley Cup Final. Uh, St. Louis still up one nothing with 16:47 in the third period left. So uh, Boston is on the power play though. We got to be careful with that. So we've got that. We can watch Vladimir. We can look forward to Vladimir Guerrero hitting some diggers. Eh. It, like I Who said, doesn't want that? Yeah. It, look, I, I enjoy. He's playing better. That's good. He's playing better. But it, like, it, it's it, I I struggle to watch the Jays games a little bit. I have listened to a couple of them on radio though because it's kind of a good way while I'm working out or something. It's it's. I can at least be paying attention to the game that way. I'll watch here and there. But what I am looking forward to outside of the NBA or, you know, the NHL Stanley Cup, I am actually looking forward to a little bit of UFC card this weekend. We got UFC 238 from the United States in Chicago, Illinois. I knew they had the card coming up, but I I only peripherally paid attention to the car, to the card. Uh, the main event looks like it's going to be Henry Cejudo versus uh, Marlon Moraes in a bantamweight title championship bout. I really don't like the new UFC belts, by the way. I think they look like crap. I like the old ones. The one that I think should be the main event that's more interesting to me, Valentina Shevchenko is taking on Jessica I for the flyweight championship. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is good. So, like, this card looks solid. Tony Ferguson taking a Donald Cerrone. I, I think that's going to be good. Jimmy Rivera taking Peter Yan. I don't know Peter Yan, but I know Jimmy Rivera. That's interesting. Even the other card looks decent. I'm like, what the heck? The prelims. Yeah, Tatiana Suarez and Alexa Grasso who came from Invict. Like, there's some good fi- there's some good fighters on this card between the prelims and this one. I think, and I think the fans in Chicago are going to be hot. They love, uh, they love some fighting out in Chicago. So I think uh, I think probably a good venue for them. So that actually should be interesting. Uh, that concerns me because that that means I might I might have fifty dollars parting me. Whenever they actually have a good uh, a good pay per view card and there's enough good fights on here, uh, I might have fifty or sixty dollars parting my pocket this weekend. So uh, well, hey, you know what? For a good card though, it's worth it. For a good card, I, for I think this is a worthy card. It look at least on paper, it looks I could see some good fights potentially coming out of this. Because even all the way to the lower prelims, there's some good fighters on here, or at least fighters who are entertaining to watch, which is just as good, depending on uh, the, the matchup. So that's what I would be looking forward to. Anything else on your end for that? Nope. Awesome. I am good. So we already handled shameless plugs, but one last time, I will remind you, YouTube channel, Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, you can check it out there. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. That's Dave, myself. He may never come back if, you know, if the riot happens over at BMO. If that's the last we hear of Dave, we will wish him well. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.